Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Song of Solomon, Chapter 4, from the World English Bible. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair is as a flock of goats that descend from Mount Gilead. Your teeth are like a newly shorn flock which have come up from the washing, where every one of them has twins. None is bereaved among them. Your lips are like scarlet thread. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples are like a piece of a pomegranate behind your veil. Your neck is like David's tower built for an armory on which a thousand shields hang, all the shields of the mighty men. Your two breasts are like two fawns that are twins of a row, which feed among the lilies. Until the day is cool and the shadows flee away, I will go to the mountain of myrrh, to the hill of frankincense. You are all beautiful, my love. There is no spot in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. With me from Lebanon. Look from the top of Amana, from the top of Sinir and Hermon, from the lion's den, from the mountains of the leopards. You have ravished my heart, my sister, my bride. You have ravished my heart with one of your eyes with one chain of your neck. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride! How much better is your love than wine, the fragrance of your perfumes than all kinds of spices! Your lips, my bride, drip like the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under your tongue. The smell of your garments is like the smell of Lebanon. My sister, my bride, is a locked-up garden, a locked-up spring, a sealed fountain. Your shoots are an orchard of pomegranates with precious fruits, henna with spikenard plants, spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon with every kind of incense tree, myrrh and aloes with all the best spices, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters, flowing streams from Lebanon. Awake, north wind, and come, you south, blow on my garden that its spices may flow out, Let my beloved come into his garden and taste his precious fruits. That is the end of chapter 4. You can tell that the bulk of this section is the man, the bridegroom, speaking. He goes on quite a bit with extolling how perfectly beautiful his bride is. Not in comparisons you are likely to hear in our culture, but it is evident these are meant to be complimentary and vivid. It's fairly pastoral and garden-like again, except for the neck being like an armory, but the same sense of grace and even strength are there. Verse 6 is like an answer to the woman from chapter 2, verse 17, where she uses some of the same words and phrasing, and it involves him going somewhere. So this seems like a break, a bridge in this section of his song, because then he goes back to talking about her beauty. The question to me is, one, these mountains referred to here in this refrain, do they refer to her, 
After all, she is describing myrrh between her breasts in chapter 113, and also in chapter 3, verse 6, it seems it could be her coming in the king's carriage, which is perfumed with myrrh and frankincense. But two, could these also be references to when Jesus died? And in John 19, verses 39 through 40, it talks about him being taken care of with myrrh and frankincense. So I looked up some other things. I was investigating, in particular, what the mountains might have to do with Jesus' death. So first of all, no one knows for sure where Golgotha is that is spoken of in Matthew 27, 33, Mark 15, 22, Luke 23, 33, and John 19, 17. However, based on John 19, verses 41 through 42, the tomb was nearby, and the crucifixion was very public, people passing by, wagging their heads at him in Jerusalem. You read that in Matthew 27, 40 and Mark 15, 29. When you consider that Genesis 22, verse 2 talks about Mount Moriah, or the mountain in Moriah being where Abraham offered up Isaac. And then in 2 Chronicles 3.1, it says that this is where Solomon built the house of the Lord, the temple in Jerusalem, in Mount Moriah, which is also where the angel of the Lord stopped the plague and appeared to David at that threshing floor. So there is some reason to associate Golgotha with a mountain and quite possibly that one. Jesus is, after all, the sacrifice that Abraham was promised. Verse 7 is talking about the bride having no spot, and the New Testament is full of descriptions of being washed clean from sin. Um, Look at Ephesians 5.27. Isaiah 1.18 talks about sin being made white as snow. I was surprised to find one website saying that the Bible nowhere speaks of the church as the bride, but if you look at Ephesians 5, 27 through 32, where Paul says that the marriage is a comparison of the mystery of Christ in the church, and then also John 14, where Jesus says he's going away and preparing a house, and then there's also the parable of the ten virgins being ready. These are all verses that do give a picture of the church being a bride of Christ. Revelation 19.7 speaks of the Lamb's bride being ready, and the Holy Spirit sealing us is much like us being betrothed in an unbreakable contract. I didn't take time to look up all the places in verse 8 that he says he wants her to come from. It is interesting that the top of three of those places are referred to, and they seem to be associated with lions and leopards, which definitely sounds like a place to come away from, whatever they represent. Then you get to verse 10, where he first uses the combination, my sister, my bride. For this section in particular, I read what Matthew Henry, David Gusick, and the Fawcett commentaries all said, and they all say, make a good case for the term sister here being a term of endearment and adding layers of depth to the relationship and camaraderie because it is not a term only used for a sibling. Then we get into a bunch of spices and honey and milk. And in verse 11, her garments smell like Lebanon, so it seems like a good place to come from. And she is a garden waiting to be fully known with a well of living water, which of course reminds me of places in the Bible where God and his spirit are referred to as a well of living water. 
Um, In John 7, verses 37 through 39, Jesus is basically yelling at people, telling them, I'm I'm the water that gives you eternal life. Uh, Come and drink from me. Um, Isaiah 44, 3 uses the same analogy. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Jeremiah 2, 13, Acts 2, 33, and Revelation 22, 17 all have references along these lines. Then the beloved woman answers and asks for winds to remind her bridegroom of her that he may come. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey.